listening to PetLifeRadio.com. All right, hello and welcome to Six Figure Dog Business on PetLifeRadio.com. I'm your host, Ty Brown of TyTheDogGuy.com. Now, this is the show where we help you start or grow your dog-related business to a healthy six-figure per year or more income. Today's guest is a veteran in the dog world and a veteran of helping dog business owners just like you to grow your dog-related businesses. So I'm really excited. Stay right with us. I'm going to be back with Robin Bennett. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. At Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime. They aren't just there for show. Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food, simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Visit RedBarnInc.com to save a dollar on Red Barn grain-free canned food. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. So first off, I want to say a big welcome to Robin Bennett. Thanks for being on the show today. Sure. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks, Ty. So I know that a lot of folks listening are going to know who you are, but for the few folks that won't, can you give us a a little intro? Who's Robin Bennett and what do you do? Sure. I am a certified professional dog trainer. I've been in the pet space for about 20 some years now. Started out as a dog trainer and then eventually added daycare to my business Long story short is that business grew for about 18 years. I ended up writing a book to help others start their dog daycares, a book called All About Dog Daycare. And that sort of launched me into a separate part of my career of really helping other businesses. And most of what I do now is all business to business, helping folks grow their business, increase their revenue, and keep the dog safe, particularly when they're doing off-leash dog play. So it's kind of a multifaceted thing. So I have a membership site for daycare and boarding facilities and just try to go around the country speaking and, and helping with other people grow their businesses. Very cool. I think, in fact, I think that's the first time that I ever heard of you was was years ago. I was at some daycare and, and I saw some posters by Robin Bennett. I think you've got a lot of printed material out there, right? Yes, we do. Susan Briggs and I wrote a book called Off Leash Dog Play, which was specifically geared towards the behavior of dogs when they're playing together in daycare, just to understand how to keep them safe and manage them. And we have uh, several products that are offshoots from that, including an entire staff training program that can help a pet facility get a really good training program for their staff so that they are reducing dog bites, obviously reducing workman's comp issues, Mm -hmm. and then helping to keep the dog safe as well and knowing which dogs are the right match for that type of activity. Gotcha. So what I wanted to talk about today, and a few days ago when you and I were chatting, I got really excited because right now as we're taping this, you know, this is November. Now this show, there's going to be tons of great ideas, whether you listen to it in November, December, or June or July. But at this time of year, I know that, you know, dog business owners tend to fall into one of two categories. They're either like 
oh my gosh, I got way too much work because we're doing so much boarding because it's the holidays. Or they're like, oh my gosh, I'm a dog trainer and no one wants to spend money on dog training right now because everyone's buying Christmas presents and turkey. And so as we were chatting, you were telling me about some of these things that you're doing. I'm like, gosh, this is brilliant. I need to share this with, with our audience. And so what I'm talking about are, I think what you would refer to as a one-off program or a specialty type program. Can you give me a little bit of background about, you know, what you would call, you know, what is a specialty type or a one-off program? Yeah. So with my facility, because I did do training and I did daycare, obviously I never did boarding. So at the holiday times, we did see a big reduction in our programs because I wasn't doing the boarding. So I just always had to take into consideration, like my revenue was going to drop at certain times of the year. And I was trying to find a way to counter that. And these one-off programs worked in two different categories. One is they brought in people that I might not normally have as clients, people that would kind of willing to test me out on a small basis, but they didn't want to commit to a big course or a big program. So these little more specialized focus programs, a little bit shorter in duration were really good to bring in new people. And they were also things that I could do to get my current clients to be repeat clients. Because you know, in a business, the the biggest amount of money you spend is getting that client in the door. And so mm-hmm. often with training, they'll take one class and then you never see them again. But it's less expensive to bring them back in if you could get them to come back in. So I was trying to also find ways where I could get those recurrent recurring clients to come back and do more with me. So I already had them as a client, but I want them to come back and do something else. So these specialty programs were great ways to do that. And I did start to introduce them a lot of times at the holidays because I found they were just unique enough and, and owners were willing to get out of the house with their dog at the holidays and do something that they worked really well for us. Awesome. And so I want to highlight something that you said and and dig a little bit deeper because you said that, you know, it costs less to resell to somebody that you've already sold to. What about this small business person, you know, that their word of mouth or, you know, they just have their website or whatever. And they're like, well, I don't, you know, it doesn't cost me anything to get a client. Why should I care about reselling to my current clients? You know, it doesn't cost me anything. What would you tell somebody like that? Well, I would say that they probably need to evaluate what they're looking at as cost because, Word of mouth is great. I love word of mouth, but you still have to keep your reputation good. You still have to do good customer service. You still got to answer the phone and treat that client a certain way. And you've got to be doing the things that are generating the word of mouth, which is encouraging your current folks to go out and talk about you or give you reviews or whatever. So there's a cost involved. And sometimes people don't consider the cost when it comes to, well, I'm just driving around in my car doing things. I would take that into consideration as part of your cost. There's a huge cost to get a client in your door. But if you have that client already trusts you and knows you and wants to do business with you, then all it is is a matter of giving them a source or a service that they want to use. So the cost goes down significantly. Yeah. And I think I would agree a ton because I think that's a big misconception in our industry because there are a lot of single, you know, preneurs, you know, people that it's just them and they're not spending money on advertising, for example, but they're not realizing, you know, what it takes to bring, you know, they've got to create this relationship with this veterinarian. They've got to put these videos out on social media. They've got to all these things that they do. It's it's either dollar cost in advertising or it's sweat equity cost in the work they're putting out to actually bring those clients in. And so what you're saying is, hey, that cost is going out one way or the other. You're paying in advertising, you're paying in sweat equity. You can pay a lot less in either if 
you're reselling to past clients. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. And the whole word of mouth that when I do presentations, everyone always says word of mouth is the best way to, you know, to get business. And I totally agree with that. But word of mouth doesn't happen for months and months and months. And I would say more realistically, a couple of years until you build enough word of mouth that you don't have to do anything else. Because you can go into the vet's office if they don't know you and you don't have clients and you don't have testimonials and you don't have any proof that what you're doing is going to be good quality, they're not going to refer you. That happened to me all the time. I got all kinds of pet businesses that would come into my training facility and say, hey, I want to you know, market my dog sitting business or my dog mm -hmm. pickup poo business or whatever it was. I wouldn't do anything for them to promote them because I didn't know who they were. So it exactly. takes a while to get word of mouth. And that is a cost to your um, sweat equity is a great way to put it. That's how much <laughs> that's what people are spending initially because they don't have the dollars. But I would say you are better off investing with those either sweat equity or advertising to get those people into the door. And then once you have them work hard to keep them as well. Awesome. Okay. So let's make this a little bit specific to right now. And again, if you end up listening to this show in March, it's still going to apply because there's always forecasting for future. But right now, as we're taping this, you know, it's the beginning of November. Give me some ideas for some season specific specialty type programs that folks can do. Well, at this time of year, there's really two that I focus on the most and pretty much both of them you could use any time of year. But one of them is a, a class I created that was called Fido's Festivities. And it was a holiday theme class, obviously. And seriously, all it was was six weeks of tell the clients to come and just have fun with their dogs. So mm -hmm. we weren't telling them we we're going to teach them basic obedience. We weren't telling them we were going to teach them how to get a good come command or anything like that. We were just marketing it as, hey, this is a busy time of year. You're probably out shopping and going to parties and your poor dog is staying home alone and they feel neglected. So come out once a week and we'll just have some fun with you and your dog. And then we did all kinds of just games. We The whole entire course was just focused focused on fun activities. Sometimes it was games. Sometimes it was crafts, like doing paw prints with your dog. And sometimes it was just a mix of those things. So we had that for us as a six-week class. And interestingly, what I found was those clients wouldn't come to a training class, but they would flock to this Fido's Festivities class. Really? And I think it's because people feel guilty. They aren't spending time <laughs> with their pets as much as they want at the holidays. And obviously it was all themed. So all of our games had some kind of a holiday theme for this time of year. And that kind of thing you could really do any time of year. You could take it at Easter and make it an Easter theme kind of party or, a, you know, a 4th of July theme. So you could really do that sort of thing anytime, any holiday and just give it a catchy name and theme it towards the right theme. And you could do it anytime. The I other thing you. I love to do this time of year is gift certificates. And people are thinking about getting a dog or adding a dog to their family at this time of year. So mm -hmm. it's a great opportunity to offer gift certificates for either a training class or just a educational class where you just say, hey, if you're getting a dog, give your kid or your spouse or whoever is getting that dog, give them a discount for a class where we'll come over and talk to them about raising that dog or what to do with that dog when they first bring it home. So it doesn't even have to be a full training class. It could just be a gift certificate for a one hour session with you or a group class with you to just help them get started off on the right foot. And that's a great thing to add to that puppy under the tree or the mm -hmm. gifts for the tree that represent the puppy that they might be getting. And so, yeah, for a trainer, especially, that's awesome. That's revenue that you can bring in right now. You might not be fulfilling it right now, but you can fulfill the work later, you know, once they've got the puppy. But let me go back a second. That takes guts. I mean, how did you get the guts to be like, all right, here's what we're going to do. 
we're going to put together a class and it's just going to be fun. We're not going to promise them anything like special or anything like, you know, like obedience related. It's just going to be like fun. I don't know that I would have the guts to do that. I would think like no one would want to come to that, but you put it together. What made you know that that was going to work? Well, a lot of it is listening to what your clients are saying. And what I was hearing my clients saying is, Man, I'd really like to come to class, but it's just so busy right now. And then my poor dog, he's neglected, you know. So I was just catching on to what the clients were saying that they felt guilty that their dog was home alone. And I said, you know what? They don't want to come to training, but they feel bad about their dog being at home. So let's try just having a party. The other thing, the other reason I went this direction is because with my daycare, one of the ways I started making money in my daycare on my slowest day, which my slowest day was Monday. So Every Monday in my daycare, I would have like half the number of dogs that I would have the rest of the week. Mm -hmm. So I started to do, I stumbled upon this. So one year at one of the holidays, I think it was Thanksgiving, I just decided to do a Thanksgiving feast. So, and I had them, I had little party bags and we decorated and we just did daycare like we normally would do it, but we had a theme that day. Well, I had so many people sign up because they wanted to bring their dog to the party Mm -hmm. and they really felt like their dog was going to miss out if they didn't come to the party. So I started doing quarterly events that were parties mm-hmm. always on Mondays because that was the day I wanted to fill up and I my Mondays would book way in advance if I would have a party. So I know that there are pet parents really love their dogs and they want to have that fun relationship building just I just want to get out and have a good time with my dog type of thing. So that was how I started on the idea. And then we started it out as just, you know, you could even do it as a one-time class, a drop-in class, but then we built it into a six-week, an actual six-week training program or training class. You know, and I could see somebody that doesn't have a facility doing, I can think of a million ideas. You know, as you're saying this, I'm like, all right, the pet sitter could be like, or the dog walker, you know, the dog walker is like, shoot, everyone's on vacation. So they're walking their own dogs. What's something extra I could do? You know, I could just show up and take their dog somewhere and do some Christmas pictures or take their dog to a, you know, a, a Christmas themed park, you know, down at the local park where they have Christmas stuff, you know, or, or anything like that to where folks are like, gosh, my dog's not getting out as much. You know, what else could I do? And then boom, boom, boom. Here comes the local dog trainer or the pet sitter or the dog walker is like, here's what you can do. And then just kind of capitalize on, on that guilt. There's exactly. no And I really think this could work with anybody that's got a pet business that's working with dogs. These can work with anything. I don't think you have to have a facility. Another, and a lot of it is just really, it's a kind of a learned skill, I think, to really listen to your clients because your clients are telling you what they want. They aren't maybe saying it is in that specific of a term, but Mm -hmm. they'll say things like, I feel bad because of X, Y, Z. The other common complaint you'll hear from clients at this time of year is, you know, gee, I have all these guests coming over and my dog's a lunatic and I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'll have to, you know, put him in a crate or something. That's another opportunity to either sell an activity where they can get the dog out of the house. Or if you're like a pet sitter or a dog walker, another activity is to say, Hey, I could just do some refresher training with your dog. Let's just remind him how to sit at the doors or how to sit when he meets guests and just help Mm -hmm. you to get him a little bit more manageable. So you can manage that activity when company comes over a little bit better and you can add just a few minutes on your walk of reinforcing those those behaviors that the owner wants so a lot of that stuff is really listening to what the owners really are saying they need and figuring out a program that can match that and obviously you're going to charge something so you're making some revenue through it and helping the owner and the dog yeah, no, and, and let me kind of second this because you gave me the idea the other day when we were talking, you know, as we were planning for this show. And so I was like, let me try this. So I sent an email out to my list of uh, my list of clients saying, all right, you know, we're going to do a group class. 
It's going to be Thanksgiving related. We're going to have donuts and juice, but we're going to practice, you know, Thanksgiving dinner. We're going to drop food on the floor. We're going to have loud music. We're going to have this and that and the other. Um, and we're going to practice all these. Obedience. It's been our biggest sign up of a group class that I think we've ever had. You know, people are like, this is cool. Yeah, and that's so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I took your idea. I ran with it. I'll send you the check in the mail a little bit later. <laughs> That's great, though, because I think so often our training classes don't, they need to somehow relate to real life. And I know this sounds crazy, but I had a client one time whose dog did great in class. So she's able to do nice, loose leash walking and sitting and all of that. And she came up to me and she said, you know, he walks really well here, but when I'm at home, he just doesn't do any of this. And I said, well, do you practice your commands at home? And she was like, oh, no. Like it just didn't dawn on her that she was supposed to be practicing at home. And I thought that just really says something about the way I'm teaching because <laughs> I really need to create those scenarios that's real life so that they understand what they should do in real life. It's not just, you know, I can get my dog sit when they're at the training facility. So doing that, we would set up, you know, tables where we would practice a veterinary exam or trying to write a check because you're having to pay the vet after the exam mm -hmm. is over or whatever. And like you said, making a themed event where, you know, you're going to have Thanksgiving dinner and all the, you know, relatives and friends are over and your dogs needs to not be jumping on the table. That's a great idea. That's awesome. Okay. Now, so you've given us some ideas for holiday stuff. You've given us some ideas for stuff throughout the year. I understand though, that you even do some stuff where some classes where the dog doesn't even attend. What's that about? Yeah, I'm really big on education. So I love to try to weave education into as much stuff as I can. And two of the classes that I find that are pretty well received, probably the most popular one that I teach is a dog park safety class. So with dog park safety, what typically happens is those of us in the pet profession, we tend to say people shouldn't take their dogs to the dog park. So then we don't want to teach a dog park safety class because we feel like we're promoting a dog park. The mm -hmm. reality is that I found what everyone wants to know is they're going to go to the dog park anyway. Our whole tirade of saying don't go to the dog park is not working. If you look at society, dog parks are cropping up everywhere. So that's just not an effective strategy. So we're better off educating the people. And what people figure out is they will at least know when it's safe for them and they will know whether or not it's good for their dog. One of my best things is when I do the dog park safety class, I always end up with about three to five people come up to me and say, you know what? I just realized my dog doesn't even like the dog park. And that's great because now I've just helped them realize that they should find a different activity for their dog. And nobody thinks that their dog's a problem at the dog park, but right. they want to know how to know if the other guy is a problem. And that's what you're really teaching with those dog park safety classes. In reality, I, hopefully it pushes people to, to a good daycare or a good dog walker or a pet sitter because they start to see the dangers, but you're not advertising it that way. You're really saying, Hey, I'm going to help you keep your dog safe at the dog park. So that's a really popular class. And then the other class is really on geared on canine body language, but I promote it pretty much on how to know if your dog is happy because mm -hmm. it's really ends up being a dog bite prevention class. But most people tend to not go to a class if you call it dog bite prevention, unless they're children, then parents will send their children to that. But it's really the parents I want to educate and hopefully they'll educate their children as well. But if you call it, you know, I'm going to teach you how to know when your dog's happy, they tend to want to go to that. And then you're teaching them the signs of stress in a dog. And we all know if a dog is stressed, they're more likely to bite. So it really ends up being a dog bite prevention class in the long run. But you want to market it a little bit differently to make people go, yeah, I want to know when my dog's happy. I want to know what's bothering my dog and how to fix that. 
they'll go to those kinds of classes. But any of those educational classes, there's a whole program on getting a baby when you have a dog. So that's another one where you would have the family come and just talk about what to do when you're bringing the baby home. Or Mm -hmm. even if you're just doing a head start program for a new owner who's getting a dog, getting a puppy or adopting a rescue dog educational class right there as well. And I could see like a groomer doing a class on anal glands and nails, you know, without the dogs there. And I could see, you know, a, a walker doing a class on nutrition. I mean, yeah, I think there's tons of things that, you know, the dog doesn't have to be there, but you could still charge money on these kind of specialty or one-off classes. So awesome. Now, I, have, I had a, I'll say really quickly as just to get people thinking is I had someone tell me once, if somebody asks you the same question three times, you know, over the course of however, you know, a couple months, there's a product in there. Mm-hmm. And so, So if you think about it, this is how I started doing house training classes. I thought, you know, house training to me is so common sense that I just think everybody knows how to do it. And then I'll invariably talk to a pet owner who is completely lost on what to do when they, when they want to house train their dog. And that stuff that those of us in the pet industry, there's stuff that we know that we just assume is so basic that not a single person would pay for it. Mm -hmm. And I just want to challenge that assumption to say, if you've got people asking you this question all the time and you find yourself repeating yourself over and over, There's a product in there somewhere, whether it's a class or a PDF handout you can sell or whatever it is. That's what I would really start gearing off of because we give away a ton of information free. And I'm not opposed to that. I give tons and tons of information away free on my blog, but Mm -hmm. there's a strategy behind it to hopefully generate revenue because ultimately I need to make money too. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So we've got some great ideas for classes. What I want to do is I want to take a break. And when we come back, I want to figure out how to put people in these classes. So stay right with us, folks. We'll be back with Robin Bennett. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, also known as the Pet Lady. I travel from coast to coast to pet trade shows and consumer events to scout out what the hottest, hippest, and most unique pet products are on the planet, bringing you tips and tricks from top veterinarians, groomers, trainers on how to safely travel and live happily with your pets. The Pet Lady will be in a city near you, showing off the latest and greatest tech pet gadgets, cozy comforts, and fab gift ideas for man's and woman's best friends. You can learn more at thepetlady.net or connect socially and tweet with me at Pet Lady World. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. All right, folks, so we're back. Today I'm with Robin Bennett, and she's given us some amazing ideas on specialty or one-off classes and, and ways to generate revenue, not necessarily doing your regular programs, but additional ways to generate revenue, whether that's seasonal, being now it's the holiday time, or any time throughout the year. And so 
we've got some great ideas, Robin. How do we market these? How do we fill them? Oh, that's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole, you know, day long thing in and of itself. But yeah. the, there's two things I would say that are important. One is whoever is the one promoting the course. And usually that's the, you know, there's usually one individual answering the phone or talking to the clients or whatever. That person really needs an education in how to sell things and how to uh, market things because it's not just as simple as going, Hey, we had a six week class. You really have to understand how to sell the value to the client, not just the class itself. And this is, I think within the pet industry, I feel like this is really a weakness where we don't understand how to, how to promote stuff in a way that sells the benefit and not just and the value to the client. So in other words, I'm not just teaching your dog how to sit. I'm teaching you how to have a really good fun companion at home that isn't driving you crazy. There's a huge difference in how those communicate to a pet parent. So we need to find those nuances of how to how to do that. So that would be one thing. The second thing is I feel like the only time we reach out to people is when we want to sell them something. And this is again another area where I feel like in the pet industry we could do a better job of communicating in between when we're trying to actually sell something to provide that free content, that free information, that really helpful infographic or helpful tip or whatever it is, not bombarding them, but at least essentially nurturing that relationship. Cause this is all about relationships. Mm -hmm. So you really have to have a system in place to allow you to do that. And it's easy when your business is small, you can do that with just personal phone calls. But as your business starts to get larger and ideally you can scale everything, you have to have some automation in place where you can reach out through periodically, but you're not going to be able to call a hundred clients. So you're going to have to have some type of email system in place that you can help to nurture that relationship still, and obviously still be available if they do want to talk to you. But it's a huge system that goes from everything from how you collect the emails and meet the client in the first place to how you nurture them to how you actually sell the product. And that and whole I, system has to be thought through. And I want to talk a little bit more about that email system here in a second, but it, it sounds like the foundation, if, if I'm hearing this correctly, the foundation is being able to explain, you know, we're, we're talking about selling, we're talking about a number of things, but at the end of the day, really be able to, you know, convey the benefit, convey the value of whatever this course is. And so that's where I was a little bit surprised in the beginning where you just did a course that was like, hey, it's fun. And I think had maybe you just presented like, hey, here's a fun course. People would be like, oh, that's cool. But I'm guessing the way you present it was like, hey, you're busy. It's the holidays. Here's the benefit to you and your dog. Your dog's not getting out as much. You're not having as much time. You feel guilty. Here's the class. Exactly. Um, you have to figure out what problem you're solving for the client. So in that, with that class, to just say you're going to have fun, yeah, you might have a couple people that just inherently want to have fun with their dog. But when you say you're going to have fun because we know you're busy, we know you're at all doing all these holiday parties and shopping and you're stressed out. Just imagine your dog is stressed out too, because he's not getting any outlet for his energy because your schedule's changed. So you're really figuring out, you know that they have a problem and you just want to help them realize that they've got that problem too. And mm -hmm. then you're providing the course, which solves the problem. Okay. And so, so let's say we're, we're going through this process. So we've determined, you know, what one-off program or specialty program we want to do. We've determined the message, you know, we've just said, okay, this is the benefit it's going to bring to my clients. Now we got to get it out in front of them. You mentioned earlier email marketing. You've been consulting with pet business owners for a while. How many pet business owners do you see that are actually doing email marketing? <laughs> 
hardly any. It is one of my most frustrating issues right now because ultimately, again, if, you, if you're on the phone, that's awesome and you want to be available to take phone calls. But how many people are coming to your website and you don't even know who they are? So you can't call them. I mean, mm -hmm. you have to have a way to get their information to even know they've stepped in. And if we're following, you know, what's commonly said in sales is somebody has to, you have to get something in front of somebody seven times before they'll ever consider buying. I don't even know how you track that in the pet industry because most places we aren't collecting emails. So you mm -hmm. can put a flyer in the vet's office and you can even say, hey, 40 people picked my flyer up, but you don't know who those 40 people are. If you put a flyer that says, hey, you're going to get something free if you contact us or email us or send us a letter or whatever it is, or go to our website and download this, you can at least capture their email. And that's for me, that is the starting point of communicating with that client. Phone calls are great. I would absolutely not get rid of the phone, but not everyone's going to pick up the phone in this day and age. So I do think this is an area with most pet businesses that we could get a whole lot better at. Same thing with very few pet businesses have any kind of email capture system on their website. So you have mm -hmm. no idea. You can look at Google Analytics and see that you're getting tons of traffic on your website. And that's lovely. But I would argue that if you're not capturing emails, then it's a lot of wasted money that you've put into your website because mm -hmm. that email is going to be one of the best ways to connect with people in today's age of technology. I agree. I'm such, you know, we do a lot of email marketing. I'm such a big proponent of it. I find that so few pet business owners do it. What I'm finding is, is a lot of folks these days just, just want to do the social. They just want to do Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And obviously, I don't think anything's wrong with that. But what would you say to somebody that, you know, says, well, I've got a good Facebook. I think I'll just promote it that way versus, you know, trying to build up this email list. Would you have any advice for that person? Yeah. I mean, Facebook marketing is great. I'm pretty active on social media, but you have to ask what your strategy is for your Facebook page. So in other words, my whole point of doing Facebook, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have a blast on Facebook and I probably spend way too much time on there some days just kind of scanning. But really when it comes down to it, my reason for having a Facebook page is to nurture people, to get to know people, to let them get to know me because I want their email. Like mm -hmm. when it comes right down to it, I will occasionally put stuff on Facebook that drives people to my website or to an opt-in of some sort so I can get their email. So the whole reason behind Facebook is to get emails. And if you don't have some kind of strategy for that, you're going to have a lot of people on your Facebook page. But the reality is that the way Facebook metrics work and their, their own analytics work is you're reaching a very small population of folks who are on your list. So if you have a list of a thousand, you might put something out there about a class starting and it, it might be seen by, you know, 300 if you're lucky. And it's a very small percentage. So you still have to take into consideration how you're targeting them. I do a lot of Facebook ads as well, which is another way. But again, my Facebook ads are always trying to drive that person to give me their email because mm -hmm. I can control emails. I don't know what's going to happen to Facebook. That's the other reason I really want to capture those emails because I want it within something that I can control. I love Facebook, but we all know Facebook changes. So mm -hmm. for all I know, you know, they could be gone tomorrow or they could start charging something that I don't want to pay. And I've still got those folks that have given me their emails. So I just really think that somehow collecting emails is, is an important strategy. And I think most pet businesses do that once the client walks in the door. What mm -hmm. I'm suggesting is 
do it outside of that client walking in the door so that you can get them to walk in the door. Yeah. I mean, just as an aside, you know, we do a lot of email collection on our website and, and I can track, you know, when they became a prospect to when they bought and things like that. And it is highly common that someone has been on our list for, you know, and they've received 20 emails before they ever become a client. You know, that's, it's highly common that we see that happen. Sometimes it happens quicker, but it's not unusual that, you know, they've been getting emails from us for a while and then finally decide to be a client. I think a lot of, business owners don't know that email marketing still outperforms all social media as far as sales online. And so anyways, I just wanted to highlight that because I think what you're saying is is so appropriate for this audience. And, and I, I want to encourage more people to do that. We're running out of time here. One last question. Any idea on like recommendations on how to price stuff like this, these types of programs? Yeah, that's a great question. I typically would say kind of take a two-pronged approach. One is absolutely figure out what your costs are. So this is the part, this is the part I think most people don't do. And by cost, I mean, literally, how much are you going to spend in any kind of advertising or promotion? How much does it physically take you to run this course? So for most of the one-off courses, it's a, you know, do it and you're done. So if it's a one hour class, I might have an hour of prep and then an hour to do the class and I'm done. But I want to factor in two hours of my time. If Mm -hmm. it's a class where I need to do a lot of follow up with the client, I need to check in with them. I need to email them, you know, how, what work they're supposed to be doing or whatever. I want to add that time in too, any follow up that I need to do. So you're making sure that you're covering the actual cost, obviously material, whatever that you might have to buy add that all up and make sure whatever you're charging is going to cover your costs and obviously more than cover your costs so you can make some money. That's probably the number one thing. And then the other thing is I would do a little bit of price checking in your area in terms of what's realistic in your area. But what I would avoid doing is matching your price. I always tend to want to be higher than everyone else. And this is really counterintuitive. And usually I get lots of resistance from this is when I tell people price yourself higher than someone else. But the reason is if you price yourself equally, you are not viewed the same way. And this is so counterintuitive. So I always give this example is I had my business for 18 years, my dog training business before I sold it. And I started out doing private in-home lessons for about $50 an hour. And Mm -hmm. it got to a time that was, of course, 17 years ago. So it was a little bit more money then, but not a lot. But a lot of the times I got tired of doing those in-home lessons. So I just said, you know what? I'm going to just price my in-home lessons so high that people won't sign up for them anymore because Mm -hmm. I just got tired of traveling so much. Every single time I priced my in-home lessons higher, I got more clients. It was so counterintuitive to me. By the time I sold my business, my in-home lessons were $175 to $200 an hour. And actually, usually it was a 45-minute lesson. So I actually reduced the time and increased the price thinking that people would stop signing up for them. And they didn't because there's a connection in our brain that says when you charge higher, the value is higher. Now you obviously have to provide a good quality experience for whatever it is you're selling, but you want to make sure that you don't just price slightly under or even match whatever's in your community. I would be pricing a little bit higher so that you can provide that higher perceived value. And that's really counterintuitive, I think. So I would take those two things and then kind of come up with a pricing and then try it out and see what you're thinking, you know, your clients will, will pay for. Robin, there's been a ton of gold nuggets. And for those listening, I hope you guys have been paying attention and taking notes because there's been some amazing information on how to convey value on how to price on email marketing and how to capture emails and things like that. This has been some great information. If folks want to learn more about what you do and how they can kind of see your programs and things like that, what's the best way for them to, to find out more? 
the best place is to go to my website, which is Robin K, the letter K, Robin K Bennett. Dot com. And that's Bennett with one or two T's. Two N's and two T's. Two N's and two T's. RobinKBennett.com. Awesome. And for those listening, thank you for listening today. There's been amazing information. I hope you can go out and implement it. I recommend you also head back to PetLifeRadio.com. Go to Six Figure Dog Business and listen to all the other episodes that we've got. And of course, listen to all the other shows that are on PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.